I'm pretending that I find you interesting. Pretending that I think you're smarter than me. Pretending that I admire you, but I don't admire you. In fact, I see through you to this small, needy man-child with the raging ego. That was a very hard scene to shoot, just because it's such a pivotal moment for Rowan, and I really wanted to do it justice. It's her moment of all of this anger and some frustration and the culmination of years of struggling, and she gets to have all that anger come out at once. Right, y'all, welcome to the Mayfair Witches Talk. I'm your host, Rain Coleman, and we're going to go over the AMC and Anne Rice new show entitled Mayfair Witches. For those of you listening, please use the hashtag CBNPod. I'm not certain if I will have, um, if this will be a series. If so, I'll come up with some sort of signature hashtag by episode two once I make that decision. But right now, please use the hashtag CBNPod when you're listening to Mayfair Witches Discussion. And uh, give me, lend me your ears, lend me your thoughts, your ideals, your history, your knowledge. Lend that to me. So what is Mayfair Witches? Mayfair Witches is a television series. It is a drama that is based off of the Anne Rice books. It is in the same universe as Interview with the Vampire. It is titled The Immortal Universe. Um, In this show, neurosurgeon Rowan Fielding has a problem. When she gets mad, she kills with her mind. Her search for answers sends her to a secretive biological family. In New Orleans, um, her mother, Deidre Mayfair, is desperate to escape from her aunt's oppressive house. Now, this first episode was rather interesting. For me, I've said it before. I've said it on TikTok. I've said it on Twitter. I've said it pretty much everywhere. I am not one who is familiar with Anne Rice past Queen of the Damned and Interview with the Vampire back from the 90s. And even then, I was like... A child. I was not aware that Anne Rice was a thing. Like it wasn't important to me back then. Aaliyah is what was important to me back then. Um, and so that being said, when Interview with the Vampire came and went, it was a phenomenon. <laughs> and not just for me personally. It was a very well done series. It took the original source material, put a twist on it, and and sparked a lot of conversation. I was excited to uh, watch the series. Now, I did have my reservations initially. Um, A lot of it had to do with race. But overall, the show was shot well, great wardrobe, acted beautifully. All in all, it was good. The success of Interview with the Vampire really built up this bank of... Um, how do I put this, this bank of like consideration, care and excitement for Mayfair witches. I am not one who thinks that because it's in the same universe is going to be exactly the same. I'm not silly like that. However, watching the trailer, I have to say Mayfair witches kind of put me off and not in the exact same way that interview with the vampire did, but it was something about it that just felt a little odd to me. Now, what I will say is the interview with the vampire has set me up and primed me to be a little bit more receptive of this show, whether it's good or bad. But in addition to that, and I'm going to butcher this name. I do apologize. The actor, his name is Tongai 
Chris, hmm, Carissa. I feel like that's wrong, but he plays um, Cyprian, Cyprian Grieve. This is a black man, and he is a handsome black man. And he is, from what I can tell from the little bit that I've seen, he is acting and he is doing his job. He is partly why him and the combination of him and Interview with a Vampire is why I'm watching Made for Witches to begin with. There is not a lot of melanin in this show. Now, that wasn't going to be something that would stop me from watching it because I feel like as much as I champion representation in comics and related media, I do feel like you're able to make whatever properties you want. People have the choice to consume them or not. And if this show is specifically about a family of white witches who live in this big house and do white witch stuff, then okay, whatever. That's do your thing. But they're also in New Orleans. And I'm like, mm, <sighs> New Orleans is not all white. <laughs> so, and this show isn't by any means either. But watching the first episode, one of my... One of the things I noticed is that it is very white. And I feel like once you've already gone the mile or the length or whatever to race Ben Louis and to make that story a bit more compelling, why not do it in this show as well? Um, I don't feel bad saying that, and I feel like it's justified. When everything under the sun, as far as entertainment, has been white for so long, has a history of being white, and then uh, even to this day where a lot of things get whitewashed, and there's so many tropes, there's the magical Negro, there's that um, sassy black friend, that's the token black person. Like When you have all of that, and then whiteness being the default in a lot of shows and movies it's like eh, i don't feel bad about saying there should be more color in this show but that didn't stop me from enjoying it fully so i did a live tweet and what i what hmm, i think the thing that has me watching despite any of my issues is that this is a show that is in a universe that I know nothing about. And that's what got me. So being a comic book nerd geek consuming this type of media my entire life, it comes a point in time where you can just point out things that are wrong with live action. For example, you could watch any of the Fox X-Men movies and point out things that are wrong. You wrong, And when I say wrong, I don't mean that they're wrong, like they are bad. Wrong um, being they are, they vary wildly from the source material. We'll say that. And... Regardless if you hate it, love it, or whatever, it's just the fact that you can point out these things. For me, this is a universe that I am not familiar with. Me watching Queen of the Damned, an interview with a vampire back in the 90s, you think that shit translated? The only thing I remember about Queen of the Damned is how beautiful Aaliyah was and how much I wanted her to bite me. What I remember about Interview with a Vampire, absolutely nothing. I truly don't remember anything but Kristen and that big hair. Um, and then them two homosexuals, <laughs> that's, that's all I remember. Like, I do not remember the plot. I don't remember the storyline so much so that while watching interview with the vampire, the 2022 and rice version, nothing about that show felt familiar. Like if they're pulling from the exact same storyline from the movie, nothing felt familiar. So that being said, being in this Anne rice universe, having this lore 
that is decades long and me not knowing about any of it, that's what's exciting to me because I'm able to discover this stuff right along with the next person who is either too young to know about Anne Rice or they never read her work. And I also like that there is a community of people out there who absolutely love her work and they know this is wrong, that is wrong, this should be like this, this should be like that. And I don't know if they're toxic or not, but the people who I've run across who have been Anne Rice stands fans and the like have not been at least not towards me whenever i've had a question they've been quick to answer they've been quick to give suggestions and explain this 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 and that and i like that and being someone who's in the comic space for so long it just feels good to have a story that i don't know anything about that i can simply enjoy and come up with opinions on my own and sometimes i'm right and sometimes i'm wrong um that being said the show the show so this this was some shit so we start off with um we're we're essentially telling a story over two timelines and i don't know where we are i'm assuming we're in 2022 2023 present day um one of my twitter mutuals uh mentioned to me that in the book the past that we're experiencing was like in the 1980s and 1980s New Orleans. And so the present eh, could possibly be 2000 something. But when me and her were talking, I was like, the way in which we got this old school New Orleans big band space, for lack of a better word, this don't feel like the 80s. Now, albeit I'm not from New Orleans, uh, I'm not from Louisiana, I don't know the culture past what I've experienced through family and friends and seen on TV, but that. New Orleans in the past felt like it was like the 30s. It felt like the way that Princess and the Frog looked. It felt like it's probably, and this is just me taking a stab at it. I think that it's occurring during that, I think it's nine to 11 years that Louis and Lestat were underground, quote unquote underground, like hiding from the general public. Um, I could be wrong, but I'm like, if we're going to put these two shows in the same universe, that to me would make more sense to ground them. But whatever. I don't know. What do I know? So there's a doctor who comes in and he he pisses me off right away. He comes to see this woman, this um, older woman who's in like this white gown. She's sitting on a porch. It looks like a plantation style house. And he's like, yeah, I'm the doctor. I'm here to see such and such and give her this shot and whatever. And his issue was looking at her file. I, she, I'd expect that she would be older than this. Then this black maid type lady walks out. She's like, well, she's only 47 or 41 or something. And I was like, what? What are we doing? Like, I, I could not. That's like I said, that's the beauty of this show for me, because I didn't know what the hell was going on. And it was exciting because between the doctor, the woman who was sitting in the chair, kind of mute or comatose and or catatonic rather and then the black lady that came out i didn't know who was the villain i didn't know who was the good guy i didn't know like who had a secret i didn't know if one of them shape-shifted to be in like my mind was all over the place and i enjoyed that um speaking of the black lady i bruh i hope like hell this is not one of like three black people we get on this show her being the maid to these white witches um sip Cyprian being the, I don't know, magical Negro to Rowan's discovery of self. And then her mom, who I think may be biracial. Either way, she's a black presenting woman. 
who died in the first episode. Like, I'm hoping that's not the case. Like, please. Because I will have to bring this show to task. I'll have to put my foot up their ass. Because they're... When... It's a concern of mine. I'll say that. So, going through the, the show and watching Rowan. Who was the actress's name? Hold on, guys. Alexandra Daddario. She's not a... Aesthetically, whether you think she's ugly, pretty, or whatever, she has a very unique look. And I mentioned she looks like a Humberto Ramos drawing. Like the when I saw her, she has these really big blue eyes that look like a drawing. And for those of you who know, you know. And for those of you who don't, uh, I am going to attach my Twitter thread to the show notes in this episode and just scroll down. I think it's like the third tweet where it's the cover of the Mayfair Witches with her holding this like locket key in her hand. And I have a picture of Humberto Ramos's drawings attached to that. Like th- the way, and it's so weird. And specifically Humberto Ramos from his Crimson run, like that specific issue. Now, his artwork is still the same. It's slightly different. You know, you improve with years and practice and whatnot, but she looks like one of his drawings, and I think that's another draw for me. I'm pulling a lot from this show, or I'm impressing upon... mm, No, that's not right. A lot of this show, in my mind... I'm like justifying a lot of things or I'm attaching it to different things that I um, am already familiar with. And I mean, people do that. You can tell the similarities between like, I don't know, whatever, Power Rangers and Big Bad Beetleborg, shit like that. But this show in particular, I'm it's making me think about a lot of stuff. And I wonder if that's just the side effect of me not being familiar with the source material, or if it's just like this fantastic show that's making me question a lot of shit in the past. You know, I don't know if it's the former or the latter, but here we are. So with this, the doctor says, and this pisses me off. So the black lady who's the maid, she's like, you need to give her her shot. I forgot what it was like vibranium or I don't know, Kool-Aid, so whatever the fuck he was giving her. And she was like, yeah, you got to give her a shot. And he was like, well, before I do, I have to review her file. Now, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a medical professional. But if you already read this woman's file, that you know who she is, he was so fucking starstruck, that you even thought that she was several decades or years older than what she is. Why did you not keep reading? Like, if you are a doctor providing a service, he's the, um, I don't know what type of doctor, but he did a house call for her. Why are you not reading the complete file? This makes no sense. And let me know, any doctors, nurses, and medical professionals out there, but for him to be like, oh, before I administer this shot, I need to go review her file. Girl, didn't you do that before you got here? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Because even the black lady, the nurse was nurse. The uh, maid was like, yeah, well, she needs her shot. No, you're late. This isn't verbatim, but she was like, you're late. And we need her to have her shot at the same time or something to that effect. So I'm like, motherfucker, you wasting time. And I'll say that as frustrated as I was, that opening scene was really good because it had me on edge. I was truly because I didn't know if the white doctor, the white lady in the chair or the black maid, I didn't know who to trust. I didn't know out of those three people who was sinister and who was good. 
And then with him, one being starstruck, having admitted to reading her file and then not doing the extra work to be prepared to service her. When he stepped away, I was on the edge of my seat because I was expecting for and this is in my mind. If he don't give her this shot at a certain time, whatever it is they're putting in her body is going to wear off and she's going to come alive, so to speak, and then wreak havoc over all these motherfuckers. That's what I was thinking. I was right. I found out later on at the end of the episode in the sense that like whatever they're giving her is what has her in this sedated state. And after watching the episode and seeing like uh, Deirdre's childhood and seeing the things that she went through and why they have her in this position to begin with, I was like, oh, I'm ready for her to fuck some shit up. But the doctor is kind of pissing me off because if he's not working for the demon devil character who Deidre is like in love with, I think, then he's just a mediocre absent-minded motherfucker who is now about to unleash hell on all these people because of your curiosity which is like how many times do we have to suffer because of one fucking person who has want to look at some scary shit (laughs) messing around with some shit that they ain't supposed to um so there is a character so deetra is uh sedated lasher and for the first couple scenes that he's in he's he's referred to as the man and he really bothered me as well because from where i'm sitting deirdre i don't know i'd put her i can't remember if they gave her an age but it felt like she was young like she was maybe 17 18 maybe and he was he she was we opened up with her at a confessional speaking to her priest which that fucked me up because if you remember interview with a vampire louis did the same thing and when he did lestat came in killed every single religious person in that building and he fucked that that uh church up i was like damn we got another scene (laughs) where somebody going into a damn confessional and coming out and everybody did but that didn't happen but the priest had even mentioned the man and she was like oh i haven't seen him in so long and this and that he was like yeah you're lying so say 10 hail marys and whatever else what really fucked me up is that she made mention of that man being with her either since she was 10 or around 10 is where she mentioned like an early memory of him and i was like okay this is He needs to go to jail. What is happening here? That man is definitely in his mid-40s. Deirdre in the past is, let's just say she's 18. We can just say she's 18. Even that is still like, have you been stalking this young girl since she was 10 or before she was 10? And even if that's the case, I was like, is he a demon? Is he a human? I had so many questions that I feel like are kind of answered with the end of this, but like not really. Um, because ultimately what happens is Deirdre sneaks out of the house. She lives with her aunts and they're extremely religious and they're chastising her and talking shit and whatever else. She sneaks out the house, but they know about the man. That's what I'm like. Is he real or is he? And when I say real, like, is he a real person in this world that like they're aware of? Or is he a demonic spirit that they are aware of and they're trying to keep away from her? Because they're the way that he's discussed by all of the people who know about his, his existence is like a young girl having a crush on a boy who's a bad boy, who's not good for her. It's not discussed like he is a demon who is going to kill you and end this this life. I was like, this is this is weird. So 
Deirdre um, talks to the man. He like appears in her room. He's like, yeah, your mom, she knew you was for me or some shit. I don't know, whatever. When he was on screen, I was creeped out. Cause I'm like, this motherfucker, like, girl, get some sense about yourself. But what I do like about the Deirdre situation is that you'll oftentimes get in TV shows and movies when you have a young girl who's dealing with the quote unquote bad boy or even just young teenage lovers who are so deep in love, puppy love, whatever else, but their actions are like detrimental to themselves. Like they run away together. and It, it felt like a regular story, but adding in this sinister, like supernatural element. So though I don't like Lasher, I do like this as far as a storytelling, uh, object whatever i like this idea of that very same story that could be translated to any teen ya young adult property but having that sinister demonic element where it's like no i'm not just keeping you away from the johnson board because he robbed a liquor store i'm keeping you away from satan himself like it's not it's it's like zero to a hundred like real quick um, something else that just hit me, this reminds me of um, The Beautiful Creatures. I think I'm saying that right. I think that's the name of the movie. Um, and I want to say, and it's, I'm sure it's the southern, uh, the southernness of it all. And the witch and um, the southernness, the witchiness, and the like... <sighs> Yeah, I hate to say it, plantation houses, the New Orleans setting, like all of that. Um, but that's what it reminds me of is beautiful creatures. And if you agree, let me know. <laughs> so Deirdre goes to her uncle Cortland's party. And at that party, I I promise you I expected to see Lilith Stott and Louis. So I don't know if I'm going to spend the next seven episodes trying to figure out when they go pop up <laughs> or what, but I want that cameo. I want to see them two fools, even if they're not, if they don't say a word, I want to see them waltzing in the background or talking shit or walking from around the corner with blood on their mouths. I want to see them. This is my new extended universe. This is my new fandom. Give me what I want. <laughs> so Deirdre sneaks out where's a dress that her mom had hidden because her mom used to hide that dress and go to parties she goes to Uncle Cortland's house where this like eclectic weirdo is kissing a snake with some woman and not just a little snake like a anaconda huge snake while this younger man massages his feet and it's like it's, I don't know if he's on a drug or if he's on a high from like all these people at his party but his party felt like one of the parties from interview with the vampire it was very lavish the house seemed to be a little smaller um he brings up or a guy brings up three young men who look like they're about i would say anywhere from 17 to 22 there's a taller white guy there's a sh um there's a like a mixed race guy who's light-skinned and he's a little shorter i would not that this matters, but I'll put him at like, let's say that guy is, I don't know, 5'10". Then there was a white guy who came in next to him who was about 5'10". And then the white guy who was chosen was, I'd say, six foot six one. And so Uncle Cortland's like, oh, yeah, we can use you and you're perfect. And I'm thinking, are you about to sleep with this man? Like, what is happening? What is happening? Because Uncle Cortland is definitely given queer, definitely given pan, definitely given do something strange for a little change. And we ultimately find out that he chose that boy 
for his niece, Deirdre. And I don't know if he chose him to sleep with her or to like show her a good time, but they go out dancing and the scene is very weird. It made me feel like that scene in blade where all of the vampires stand up and that one human is in there. Like that shit terrified me since I was a child. I am not ashamed to say that even now when I watch blade, I can watch it cause I'm grown. I get it's a movie. It's whatever. But that, that particular part of that scene still makes me a little nervous for like a half a second when I watch it. Cause that was terrifying sitting in the theaters as a child watching blade and seeing this man covered in blood with all these vampires about to eat him. Um, which side note, girl, this, this warehouse that that white man was in in blade had like no less than 300 vampires. All of y'all was going to feast on this one person, bro. Come on. Come on, you in this warehouse, blood from damn water sprinklers, and all of y'all gonna eat this one person. And he wasn't even fat, he wasn't even like 6'5, 300 pounds, solid, fat, muscle, whatever. This was a little ass dude, but I digress. <laughs> so, um, with the party, Deirdre is dancing with this boy, I think his name was Peter or Parker, I don't know, whatever, He it doesn't matter, so they end up sleeping together, and there's all these people in these masks while they're dancing, because it's a masquerade party, whatnot, so they're having sex, and I'm thinking, in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, maybe she's a virgin, this is her first time having sex, and her, the fact that we even have this scene of her having sex, to me, read as, oh, one, she has to be a virgin, and two, this has to be important, not just for, like, gratuitous sex, but, like, there is something happening here like this isn't a contemporary drama about like people in their everyday lives just living and being 25 no this is a supernatural show you're not going to show us anything unless it matters so the very fact that she's having sex with this boy or this guy whatever there's something there's something else going on here that i'm not aware of in the moment so when she wakes up the guy is gone, the house is quiet, and she sees a body bag being taken out the back door where the pool is. And it's the boy, well, we don't know, it's not confirmed, but you were led to believe it is the boy she slept with before. And I'm thinking, because we've seen De um, uh, Rowan and her powers, that maybe Deirdre killed this boy by accident during sex. Like, maybe that was awakening whatever, I don't know, powers is inside of her or whatnot, but it... It was intense, and I do think the sex scene was shot well um, because you only got you got Deirdre from like the collarbone up. You still got the simulation of the movements and this and that, and you get what's going on. And I only bring this up because stuff like Game of Thrones and other shows was just like in your face sex for the sake of sex and look at this skin and watch it like i that's not needed now i'm not sure how deep into like sexuality the books go and i'm not sure if we'll maybe get more going forward because rowan uh the main character she even had a sex scene in this uh episode it was from behind and so it it was it, it showed more skin than her mother's scene but it I don't know. I don't really care. I don't really care. I just don't want to see a whole bunch of sex just for the sake of sex. And so uh, Deirdre, she's like, yeah, this man did, but whatever. Her, her aunt is out there. And I forget that lady's name. I think it's like Claudette 
or something like that. She looks like an asshole. She comes in. Deirdre is sure that her auntie didn't kill this boy. She go upstairs. She's talking to that damn Lasher, the man, and the aunts is praying for her. And one thing that really pissed me off in this show is that instead of being Mayfair witches, it should be Mayfair gaslight women. Because every woman, Rowan and Deirdre, who needed to know something, was just being gaslit by everybody or ignored. And I'm like, bro, what are we doing? Deirdre is upset, and clearly um, Deirdre's mom either jumped off a roof or com- or was pushed. Deirdre is saying that she was pushed. Everybody else saying that she jumped, and Deirdre's like, yeah, my mom wouldn't have jumped. Why are we not just giving her the truth, straight facts like they are? Even with Rowan, like her mom, who's a black woman who adopted her, turns out to be, Rowan doesn't know this, but turns out to be, a niece now i'm going to say this and i could be wrong depending on how you characterize family relationships in this show but i'm assuming that the black adopted mom is the niece of that first aunt i was talking about that claudette or whatever her name is claudette and because when she's giving the baby rowan at the end of the episode she says thank you auntie or something auntie and Carletta I'm sorry that's her name Carletta and so I'm going to assume that the black adopted mom her name's Ellie Ellie Mayfield paired by Erica Gimple I'm going to assume that her and Rowan are actually cousins unless it's the situation where you just call any elder auntie like so I don't know that's what I say I don't know if that's the case or not but she ultimately dies, but even while she's dying of cancer, she's gaslighting Rowan. Rowan's like, I killed this first doctor. He was talking shit. I could see inside his head, and I, I bust a blood vessel, and he died. The mom's like, oh, no, you didn't do that. You don't have any powers. Okay. Then she kills a second man, a second doctor. And she's like, no, you didn't do that. And Rowan's like, yeah, remember in the second grade when little Susie Cottontail was talking shit, and she had a seizure? I did that. I looked in her head and I gave her a seizure. And so clearly they're trying to keep her from the truth to keep her safe. But like also quit fucking gaslighting this woman and tell her what the hell is going on so she can figure it out and be well equipped. So I don't understand. Oh, you're from this long line of demonic witches who can cause fire and brimstone. But let me not tell you that because you'll become that. Well, wouldn't it be worse if she just becomes that? After finding out y'all betrayed her for so long, like, come on, let's let's get a grip. Let's get a fucking grip. <laughs> so another person uh, who Rowan is dealing with is this guy named Max. And they're sleeping together. He's a bartender. And it's clear that he wants more from her than she wants from him. When we met him, when we meet him, she says something. He's like, I got a date. And she's like, oh, you have a date with me? And he's like, no, I have a date with someone who who's going to who don't mind me eating breakfast with them in the morning or something. And she was like, well, I don't like breakfast. It's like, you want something from her that she's not willing to give you. And that's fine. Your emotions are valid, but like, also don't get mad at this woman because she doesn't want that. So when that interaction happened, I was like, okay, well he like her. She don't like him either. They'll end up together or not. But I like that. There's a little bit more to her outside of being a doctor. She goes over to a table, gives this one random dude a beer, and she's like essentially going to hook up with him. Max ugly ass sees this, little knockoff Iron Fist, 
And we find out that her, Rowan, and Max actually slept together. Now, this is where my issue comes in. They fuck around. Then they stop when they're done. And Max is, like, pretty much chastising her. That's the way I read it. For, like, her being sexual and not having a relationship. And he's like, oh, I want something more. Like, this isn't verbatim. Whatever. Watch the episode. But essentially, he's like, yeah, I want more you don't i see you flirting with guys and sleep with guys and different people coming in and out of here i can't believe you was going to sleep with that guy she's like well i sleep with them because i can sleep with them and be done i don't need this shit and he's lecturing her and he's like essentially he wants love in a relationship and she don't but you're mad that she doesn't want this with you like why the fuck are you here i was thinking why would you fucking sleep with her then if she was going to move on to this other guy let her fucking do that. But you want to stand in because, of course, you would take priority. She knows you. But I don't want you to take priority and then also bitch and complain about it. Like, bruh, move the fuck around. And he's like, yeah, I'm your friend. Such so If we're friends, we shouldn't be fucking. If we're friends with benefits, let it be that. Like, don't. Uh, I don't know. The Max character really bothered me um, because it's like sh- you don't think she's smart enough to know what the fuck she wants. If she, I, I don't. Mm, I don't know. And then I'm like. I'm just, you're a conventionally attractive white man. She is a conventionally attractive white woman. You are in this small space in this bar. You want something. She wants something that's opposite of what you want. You could step your curly haired, chiseled body, bartender personality ass out of her front door out of your bar and find any number of women who's going to want that same thing that you want. Why in the fuck are you giving her a hard time about just wanting to have sex? I don't fucking get it. And this probably should not be the thing I'm hung up on out of this entire show, but it really pisses me off when this happens, especially when someone is clear about what they want from you. And even when she was discussing like his romantic interests, it's like he took it as she was talking shit or like making fun of him. And she was like, no, I'm like, this is something that you want. I'm I'm listening. I want to know what that is. I can tell you I'm, I can't provide that to you. I just hate when a motherfucker. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm going off the rails. I really hate it when someone can very clearly state their opinion, state their stance on something and make it so that both of you understand And that's not enough for you. For Max to be upset, I think that's fair. You have feelings for this girl. She doesn't want what you want. You have to take some time to like work that out. That's fair. It's natural. You're human. But you are not allowed to then turn to her, talk shit to her, and make it seem like she's wrong because she doesn't want the thing that you want. No, and if she ends up in a relationship tomorrow with somebody else, that's still okay too. You don't own her because you have an attraction to her. I, I, I don't know, y'all. That pisses me off. It, it, it truly does. But I digress. So um, she, the mom, the black adopted mom, she calls some number to be like, hey, what's going on down there in New Orleans? My daughter is killing people. She has killed someone. I need to know who's assigned to my daughter's case. Then we meet cyprian i hope i'm saying his name right the handsome only other black person in this show and he's assigned to her case and they talk and she's like look i'm on my way out of here i need to know what's going to happen 
Next time you call and I can't answer. I need to know who's taking care of my daughter. And he's like, I am. I'm going to take care of her. Now, I take issue with this because it seems like he's the only other black person on the show. I don't want me a magical Negro. However, I'm going to give it time because I have not read the books. So I don't know the true nature of his role. I don't know if like he is this, I don't know, like men in black type character for whatever this universe is. And like I'm going to give it time. I'm not going to jump on it, but right away I was like, mm, "Sir, what? No, get the fuck out of here." Also, the mom, I'm like, "Just tell her what the fuck is going on so that she can better protect herself." This girl shouldn't have to go on this damn long journey of self-discovery with some supernatural murdering powers that she has no control over. What happens when she accidentally kills someone again? Bruh. So, all of this happens the black mom dies so that we're down one black person now and <sighs> lasher in the past speaks to deirdre deirdre is frustrated the pastor comes over and he's talking to her about what happened and what happened with the boy that died and she's like you scared of them just like the rest of the town which leads me to believe everybody's scared of this family of witches he leaves and she tries to jump off of a building um lasher uses his abilities to push her back on the balcony he's like no you know where to find me she goes downstairs in this like little reading room with a fireplace and she calls out to him and the fireplace erupts the lights come on and he appears and he's like you're something something i was with your mother and you're destined to be with me and with that necklace on it bonds you to me but if you take it off and see me for who i am and still accept me then we'll be and he he says all that and she takes the necklace off but what really fucks me up is that he's like well do you want me to reveal my true self to you and he starts doing that michael jackson black or white video shit like his face transforms to everything he's like i'm him i'm her i'm black i'm white i'm a demon i'm an angel i'm nothing i'm everything and then he's like well do you want to be with me and she puts the necklace back on and i was like what the fuck is going on here? I feel like I stumbled into something that there should have been another episode <laughs> before this. Um, and she accepts them. And what's funny about this to me is though it isn't the same degree of intensity, it feels a lot like Lestat propositioning Louis in that church when he's at his lowest. Both Louis and Deirdre have been kicked down, dragged out, like lost everything at least you know according to them and the way they feel and that's something that i did like about this um i like this whatever this is going on this like signing a deal with the devil or like um this transformation of self based off of like desperation i thoroughly enjoyed that and she does she takes his hand but then lasher says and now you are my witch or now you belong to me or something. And I was like, okay, now hold up. This is false advertisement because the way I read this initially was he was bound to her through that necklace and he was bound to her mother. But if she takes it off and accepts him, he'll be bound to her as like they'll be together. But the way he spoke after she put that necklace back on sounded like you're my witch as in I own you. Like you're, you're mine, like you're subservient to me. Whereas before it felt like they would either be partners or that he was in service to her. I said, oh, this motherfucker didn't lie. Something, something about this is wrong and I don't like it, but that's what it is. And then, uh, like I said, black mom dies and 
uh, Lasher and Deirdre get together, and she got the necklace on the neck, and Rowan is out Rowan. So she, when all of this occurs, Rowan failed to mention she lives on a houseboat. The boat is rocking. She wakes up, looks out her window, and sees this man. She sees Lasher. And I'm just like, ugh, okay. And I mean, it was cool. I don't have anything against the show. I think it. I think it was a good pilot episode. I will say though, Rowan is awkward. She's weird to me, and she feels like what Bella Swan from Twilight should have been, um, or like a variant of that performance from Kristen. I don't know that I like her. The other thing I want to know is if Ellie Mayfair is race bent or not, because if she's white in the books, but she's black for the show, why on earth, like, to be quite honest, Alexandra does not have to be white. Um, I feel like she could be Asian, she could be Latino, she could be black, she could be any number of things. Like her being white isn't a problem. But I feel like if you're already going to throw out race bending to enhance these stories in the other properties, why not just do that even with this? There's so much and this was the issue of mine with um interview with the vampire initially was the racial um aspects of the show and the way louis being a black man was handled by lestat and a lot of it was a critique of the show and some of it was like specifically in continuity the issue i had with lestat getting a partner who was black or person of color and acting as if you're frustrated by them expressing the issues that they deal with when you could have just simply picked the white man and I'm having a similar issue here where if you if Ellie is race bent and she's not originally black in the source material, even if she is, it don't matter. You've proven with Interview the Vampire that you can just race bend and it will be okay. And it will more than likely lend itself to a better, um, more uh, full story. Why not make Alexandra of color? Like, what would stop you, especially if Deirdre is her mom, which is a white woman, sure. But if her dad, that's the other thing. I don't know if her dad is actually the boy that died or if Lasher was sleeping with her through that boy. I don't know because the boy initially started having sex, just them having sex. And then at some point during the sex, he had like one of those masks on that the people were wearing downstairs when they were dancing like a cat mask or something. So I don't know. Either way, I'm assuming that Lasher is her father. And if Lasher can be any and everybody, because he turned into an Asian woman, a black man, I think a white woman and some demons and all such shit, it would stand a reason that Rowan could be any race. I don't know. I don't know. I'm still going to watch it. I'm going to give it the next couple episodes because I want to see how I feel. Um, apparently, there are mixed reviews where people aren't feeling this in the way that they did Interview with the Vampire, which I can see that. Uh, this show is not without its faults, but I I enjoyed it. Um, but again, you know, I'm coming into it with a different perspective. I've never read the books. I'm new to this universe. And uh, I, I generally give shows about two or three episodes to really like get their footing. Um 
because though this was good, uh, it could have been better. And there are things I would have changed. And it is incredibly dark, like literally dark. It is dark to look at. It is not like it is a very dark show. Even the like sunny scenes had like a very deep bluish greenish hit hue or tint to him um but i'm just watching to see what goes on with cyprian how him and rowan interact and then what happens with her going forward i don't really have an opinion or strong stance as of now i know um some of the critique is that rowan isn't a strong enough i'm sorry that alexandra daddario isn't a strong enough or powerful enough or charismatic enough i guess actress to pull off this rowan character but for me someone who is not familiar with the source material she's fine to me but i don't um again i don't know the source material so she could be the worst choice or she could be the best i don't know it remains to be seen but what i would like is for those of you who are familiar or have seen the episode to let me know how do you feel about rowan's performance about alexandra's performance and how do you feel about the show overall are you with it are you against it are you um is it giving you the same feelings of Interview the Vampire? Does it feel like it's in that same universe or no? Um, either way, let me know. So I'll stop it here. And not sure if this is going to be a series or a one and done. Or maybe I'll wrap up the whole season. Either way, be on the lookout for Mayfair Witches Discussion. I'm your host, Ray Coleman. Hit me up on Twitter and on TikTok at Carefree Blurred. And everywhere else, Carefree Black Nerd. And if you have to email me, do so at carefreeblacknerd at gmail.com. Please leave something pertaining to the content in the subject line. <laughs> Can't tell you how many emails I get that are just like, hey. <laughs> tell me something so yeah that's that so thank you guys so much use the hashtag cbn pod until i come back with a different one and until next time stay carefree stay nerdy stay geeky and please stay away from people gaslighting you when you know good and damn well you have the power to end someone's life by staring at their forehead for a long amount of time mm-hmm.